Principal Matters Podcast, episode 353. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I am back again with my co-host, Jen Schwanke, Deputy Superintendent at Dublin Schools in Dublin, Ohio, and author of three great books. And Jen, folks can check out your resources at your website. What is it? jenschwanke.com. That's right. <laughs> or you can find mine at williamdparker.com. You can check out my books or resources. And gosh, Jen, when this episode comes out, we're going to be like smack dab in the middle of July. It'll be after the 4th. And and um, I, you know, this week I was listening to a, a um, TED radio hour and there was a interview with a psychologist who studied, and I, and I know we're going to talk about, by the way, just so you guys know the, the the topic of today's conversation, we're going to talk about the ASCD observation rubric that Jen Schwanke authored. So we're going to talk about ways that you can design stronger observations. But before I go there, Jen, you know me, I'm always a storyteller. I was listening to this TED Radio Hour and the psychologist had studied what parts of your brain are stimulated when you're asked questions about your own performance. Like, um, And so what they discovered is that there's a, that when you ask questions about yourself, one part of your brain is stimulated. But if you ask questions about another person, like is that person funny or is that person talented? It's a different part of your brain is stimulated. But here's the part that really surprised them. If they ask a question about your future self, like can you predict what you'll be doing in five, 10 years from now? The part of your brain that's stimulated is the same part of when you're thinking of someone else. Interesting. So, so, and, they, and they ran the study twice because they were so surprised when that happened. And it happened both times with all their, in all of the responses, the vast majority of people, when they think about their future self, the part of their brain that's triggered is the part of the brain of thinking of yourself as someone else. Isn't that interesting? Well, it I is. guess it that follows though, right? Because you, yeah. it is someone else. You don't know that person yet. Yeah. So the implications for me was like, of course, this was, I was on the, on the road and I didn't get to finish the whole show. So I was just chewing on these implications. I was like, wow. So like, that means that when I'm thinking about when I'm in the present, I might be thinking about how this decision is going to affect me right now, but I may not be this using the same part of my brain to think about how's this decision going to affect me a year from now Mm -hmm. or two or three years from now. And they were saying, that's why people tend to make really bad decisions about their future because they have a hard time placing themselves in that setting. Well, you know, think about that in the, and we are going to get to the topic of the day, but think about that in the context of young people, how often we say, you know, you better do well in this Spanish class because in four years you're going to apply to college and this is going to matter, right? Uh That's the future self. They can't, they don't know that person, especially if they're, you know, 14, they can't possibly know what that looks like. And so to to ask young people to imagine a future self is is imagining someone they don't know and don't know how to be and and so you know you you look at role models or you say look be like that person or be like that person but it might not be who this young person is going to be so fascinating fascinating th- stuff there i would i'd love to be a researcher right now and think about ways we could take take this into a whole new realm oh i would too so let me see if i can tie this to our topic, Jen. You, <laughs> okay, go. <laughs> here, here, here's, here's how Will's going to tie this to our topic. 
you're listening, some of you are listening to this conversation right now in the summer and you are in your mind picturing yourself when school starts and you're probably thinking about what are the most important priorities of my leadership. And you know, one of the most important priorities is being an instructional leader is actually being in classrooms, observing what teachers are doing and giving them meaningful feedback. But I'm going to guess that right now, when I ask you picture yourself, when school starts, it's probably not realistic. You're picturing yourself as that other person that you're not yet. And, and you may or may not be identifying all the different competing factors that are going to be right in front of you when you get there that are going to tempt you not to be in classrooms. Because Jen, you and I both know, I mean, I was in school administration for 13 years of my 25 years in schools, and you were also an administrator for a very long time. And there's probably nothing more important than if we're going to be helping students learn than the time we spend in our classrooms. So talk about, um, feel free to respond to my intro there, but I'm also really interested, why did you create this rubric to help leaders give better feedback for, for teacher observations? Well, and yes, I will do that. And I'm also going to make an additional tie to your intro, okay. which is as a principal, as a school leader, the process of feedback, of evaluation, of observation, of walkthrough, the process there, the whole intent is to help teachers see their future selves. What do you want your classroom to look like? What do you want the student experience to be? What do you want parents to know about your instruction? Yeah. All of that is, is there that the systems for feedback are there for the express purpose of helping teachers improve. And by improve, I use that word very, very cautiously because I've worked with many teachers before who said, you know, you've just said all these wonderful things about me. I still need to improve. The word improve in this context is evolve you know, continue to be the kind of teacher that your students need to be productive members of the society, right? And so if you, we, we've talked before on this podcast, Will, about how a typical teaching career anymore is 30, 35, 40 years. And if we went in and taught perfectly our very first day, we better not still be doing that 35 years later. The world changes too quickly. And so in that sense, feedback, observations, evaluations, all of that must keep up with what um, the world needs from our students. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, I believe giving feedback to teachers is important, not just to check a box or not just to be compliant with some state or some district expectation, but it's a responsibility that we have to make sure that our classrooms evolve and change and grow. So let me back up. I, yes, as Will said, I, I recently published with ASCD a quick reference guide and, and ASCD has done quick reference guides for years. They're called QRGs and they're for teachers and they're, you know, a six panel um, laminated pamphlet that is very affordable. It's on ASCD's website and they have probably a hundred different titles. Well, ASCD took a, a little bit of a risk and they did a QRG for leaders. And mine was the first one and it was on teacher observation and feedback. And you'll notice the word evaluation is not in there. We did that deliberately. ASCD said, you know, evaluation has such a negative connotation so often. And I agree with that, you know, to evaluate is to judge and to judge feels yucky. So we wanted to really just talk about observing teachers and, and giving them feedback. And so before I keep going, Will, I want to toss the ball back to you and see if, if any of that resonates or if there's anything. No, it does. I love that you said 
you know, our, the goal of a leader is to help a teacher see where they want to be in their student learning, in their outcomes, in their care, in their feedback, in their parent communication. And so, um, and I know you're going to go through the rubric here in just a moment, but what I love about it is the simplicity. I also want to speak to something that might be, um, it's in the forefront of my mind right now. So I'm just going to say that has nothing to do with what you're getting ready to say, but because I know the time of the release of this podcast, we're, we are also, um, being supported by sponsors. And one of them um, is a sponsor that helps provide a digital version for helping do strong observations with your teachers. So I just want to make sure you guys know, as um, Will Parker, the founder of Principal Matters, that my goal is always to point you to best resources. So um, so I, I would love for you to check out the one that Jen is going to be talking about, the rubric she's created or check out the one from our sponsors that will probably be mentioned somewhere in the show. Um, but either way, the goal of whatever instrument you're using is to help your teachers improve instruction. So Jen, thanks for, right. thanks for first giving us the mission. Right. And, and there are, you know, we've used the word rubric here, but I also, I would rather, um, I'd rather think myself about observation feedback as a mindset. I used to have the wrong mindset. I had an archaic mindset and that was, okay, I've got say 50 teachers on my staff. I'm going to have to observe them all. The state says I have to observe them, um, this group of them twice each year and this group one once. And I would make a spreadsheet and I would check it off. And it felt really good when I was done. Right. But, um, that was more compliance based rather than outcome based. So the way my mind has shifted is twofold, really. One is every observation, every time I give feedback, it's an opportunity to help a teacher see their future selves. The other is you're never not doing it. This was a seismic mind shift for me. I'm never not giving feedback. And by that, I mean, I can observe a teacher doing something so simplistic, a, a minute of time, a millisecond of time, and I can circle back and give them feedback on it. So here's an example. Let's take an elementary example. I see a teacher um, lift up a child who fell on the playground and um, ask if they're okay. And I can say to that teacher, hey, I saw that moment in the playground. That child was so upset with that scraped knee. You were so kind. Thank you. Thank you so much for just being so wonderful to students who need it. That's feedback. Yes. And what you're saying there is in this school, we value kindness. In this school, we, we value the time it takes to connect with a child. Let's take a high school example. And let's make it more academic. Um, you walk into a classroom, you see a teacher crouch down next to a student who seems upset. And the teacher is saying, hey, it's okay. We're going to rewrite this. I'm going to help you through it. Don't worry. Again, you pass that teacher in the hall and you say, that, that writer in your classroom seemed to be having a vulnerable moment. I really loved how you lifted them up and made them not feel alone by telling them you'd work with them. So these things are can constantly happen. I don't know if there's any reason after, say, an IEP meeting that a principal shouldn't in the next week or so say, that was a really well-written IEP. Thank you. Mm. You know, these things can happen. They're embedded in every conversation that you have. Um I tried to train myself as a principal to see a teacher walking toward me in the hall and think, what compliment do I owe this person? Mm. What can I say that will make their day be better? And, you know, it can be silly. Hey, did you, did you ever help that child find their lunch number? Thanks for doing that. You know, the, these things can be ongoing. So that's, 
that's important to know that feedback is all the time and it's not just instructional based. Um, now let me get to the instruction part. Let me say this before you do what I love about that second point you made that you're never not giving feedback is Jen, the same application that you were making in responses to your teachers are the same applications that we love to see teachers do with their students. Right. Exactly. So, exactly. So, you know, so you, if you're standing in the hallway and um, I'll use a high school example, and you see that softball girl walk by who had a great game the night before, you're going to stop and say, man, you had such a great game last night. Right. You know? Exactly. So why are we not doing that with our adults? Well, and it's funny you say that. That's a great example. I um, I think we mentioned in a previous episode, I'm going to go to New Brunswick and do some work with the teachers um, association there. And I they had me come and do a specific session on on feedback. And I went through this, right? I said, okay, informal feedback all the time, positive, blah, blah, blah. And one of the attendees reached out to me and he said, you know, every night, um, one of my coaches texts me and says, Hey, you know, we want our volleyball game or whatever. And he said, this is the first time I wrote back and said, thank you for taking this volleyball team and getting home at 9 PM and giving these athletes, such a great experience. He said, it was the first time I said something. Usually I'm like, thanks for the score. Thanks for the update. But I took the time to thank him for his time that he gives to these kids. And so again, it took him probably nine extra seconds, but I think it makes a huge difference for these people who are giving so much of themselves and they don't, they don't hear a lot of positives all that often. Mm, That's so rich. So let's talk about, um, observation and feedback beyond just those, those moments in the hallway or the lunchroom or whatever. When I, um, worked with ASCD to create this QRG, this quick, quick reference guide, I'm going to tell you a truth. And that is, it was harder to write this than some of my books (laughs) because, and, and, and another QRG author warned me of that. And I thought he was crazy. I thought, well, that's dumb. It's, you know, it's only probably 1500 or 2000 words. I can do that in an afternoon. It took months. Here's why I had to take all of my thoughts about observation, about feedback, about all the things I'd learned and and knew to be true. And I had to, to divide them into, um, different areas to consider. And I had to only use just the words that meant something. Mm -hmm. And you know me, Will, I'm a storyteller in my books. (laughs) I, I have some sort of a story or a tie to everything. And there was no place for that here. And so what, what we covered, and I say we, because this was such a collaborative effort with my editor, we covered the process of evaluation and the consideration of what observations are and what they're not. And just as an example, I, I, I note here that building trust observations are an opportunity to build trust and to say, Hey, I'm collaborating with you. I'm supporting you. Each teacher can become someone who walks around trusting you. If if the observation goes well, they should be cumulative, cumulative. And by that, I mean, um, it, every observation conversation should say, Hey, I remember last month when we talked about dot, 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 and going forward, what would be great is dot, dot, dot. Um, they should be positive. They should be thorough. They should be very coach focused and goal focused rather than again, checking that box the way I used to do it. I, I also spend some time talking about what they are not. And I think this is a key component. If, if you've got a mindset where an observation, for example, is a, is a way to trap someone, 
that's such flawed thinking. Um, they shouldn't be investigative, right? And an investigation implies there's been something wrong and you need to see both sides. You don't want to investigate or shame a teacher for past missteps. It's not what this is. Observation shouldn't be a one and done where you go in. Okay. Now I'm out, you know, 45 minutes, see you next year. Um, they shouldn't be punitive. They shouldn't be scary. They shouldn't be wrote, you know, something where you're copying and pasting from the last observation and, the, and they shouldn't be meaningless because if, if your process has no value and you don't see any change from it, you might as well stay at home in bed that day be, because again, it's an opportunity. That's, that's what an observation and a conversation offer to your school. Support for Principal Matters comes from School CEO. School CEO is the only marketing magazine for school leaders. Access hundreds of resources at schoolceo.com. You'll find original research on teacher recruitment and articles about how to improve student enrollment. School CEO also hosts one of the very best conferences for school leaders. Powered by Aptigy, School CEO Conference exclusively features keynote speakers and researchers without the pressure of vendor booths. It's a dedicated learning environment that feels different from the other conferences you attend. Join School CEO on September 25th and 26th, 2023 to challenge how you think about branding and culture. Visit schoolceo.com and click the banner to sign up. You can save $100 off registration using hashtag will23 as your invite code. Again, that's schoolceo.com and hashtag will23 to save $100 when you register. Support for Principal Matters comes from DigiCoach and its walk-through tool. I want you to picture walking through classrooms, observing teachers and students. In just 10 minutes, you hope to see good instructional strategies and student learning taking place, or maybe you have some questions about something missing from instruction or planning. Instead of taking 30 minutes to write a follow-up email or leaving your teacher unsupported, wouldn't it be great to have an app on your phone or tablet where you could send immediate feedback while also collecting data? Enter DigiCoach, a customizable walkthrough and coaching tool created by school leaders for school leaders with thousands of pre-written, research-based commendations and coaching tips empowering you to provide quick, actionable feedback. DigiCoach is not an evaluation tool. Instead, it is an easy-to-use feedback and coaching tool, an efficient way to store your notes and to collect data for improving student outcomes right in your hands. It can be used on iPhone, Android, or tablets and includes speech-to-text functions. Make the most of your walkthroughs with a tool that saves you time and enhances meaningful feedback to your teachers. Go to digicoach.com to learn more, and please tell them Principal Matters recommended you check them out. That's digicoach.com. Wow, Jen, that's so good. Let's do this. Um, let's take an area or two from that sure. list of what it is and what it's not and kind of unpack that a little bit. And so I'll let you choose. Um, but as you think through those categories that you just covered, let's let's just park there for a little bit. And and, and if uh, 
you choose one and then I'll probably choose one for you. Oh, okay. That's a little bit of pressure. I can do it though. I can do it. So I'm going to choose this one. I don't even know if I mentioned it when I did that quick run through an observation should be thorough. And I use this word intentionally. It's, it, it shouldn't be just this 30 or 45 minute snapshot. It should be a summary of the body of work that the teacher brings to the school. So you'll want to address multiple ways that the teacher contributes to the school's success. You'll want to say, listen, I see you doing this and this and this and this, because really, what do we all want in the world? We want to be seen, right? And we definitely want our boss to see us. And um, we want them to know how much we contribute. So I'm a quick example. My friend, Kathy, who just retired and um, so sad, she, she taught for about 40 years and she was a magnificent contributor to school culture. She was a great teacher too. And I don't, I'm, I'm don't mean to diminish that because she was a great teacher, but the other thing she was, she was the woman everyone went to when they had a problem, when they had a beef, when they had a, you know, some sort of something they needed to vent about and she would listen and then she would offer a different perspective. So the, the day that strike strikes in my memory is a day that the principal had to give some really hard information to teachers and the principal had to move people around and even move some teachers to a different school. And the principal was feeling terrible. She felt just awful. She felt like she had ruined people's lives. There were tears. People were mad at her. That day at bus duty, she went out to, you know, get all this, all the high schoolers onto the bus. Students get on the bus and there's my friend, Kathy, because guess what? She never missed a bus duty. She felt like that was a, a way she could say goodbye to the students. And the principal said, but boy, I had a rough day. I'm sure you heard about it. I'm sure everybody came to vent to you. And Kathy said to her, you know what I told every one of them? How many people lost a job today? And the answer, of course, was none. That, that uh, presence in a school, you know, the wise teacher who'd been there forever, who could bring the perspective of, hey, we all have jobs. We're all going to continue to do this great work. It might not be exactly the way it was this year, but we're all going to work. We're going to keep doing this. And the teacher who shows up to bus duty, rain, sleet, sh snow, or shine. And the teacher who has that historical knowledge. All of that ref represents Kathy's body of work. To go in and to just see her teach about ancient Mayans would not capture the value she has in the building. Mm. All of that is to say your observation must be thorough. It must show the larger body of the teacher's work. And then the flip side, what it should not be is just a general review, a recap. Okay, this is what the teacher did at 8.06 today, at 8.10, at 8.15, at 8.30. Um, you know, it shouldn't just be a clipped recap of a period or, or a lesson. Because we are all so much more than that one lesson plan. And, and an observation, I think, should capture that. Wow, Jen. I'm going to sit here for a little bit before I before I choose the next area. So, um, and this is what's in my mind as you said that, is that <clears throat> feedback is an art and a science. Um, so you, obviously, because I can hear the principals right now who are asking the question, like, well, how in the world do I find the time to provide that kind of meaningful feedback that's so thorough that makes sure that the teachers know what I've seen. And the answer to that question is both science and art. So you have to have, you, you do have to have processes and procedures and scheduled priorities in place to, so that you can have therefore the opportunity to give 
better feedback. So, and I can see your, <laughs> so listeners, your spinning. Yeah. listeners, you need to know, Will and I can see each other. Okay. So <laughs> he's probably sees me like my mouth is opening and I'm like, <laughs> that is the number one um, criticism. I, I don't know if that's the right word that I hear when I talk about this with principals, I hear people say, I don't have time. And my rebuttal to that is it's not extra time. You're there anyway. You're talking to these people anyway. You constantly have to be collecting information. I think a lot of principals feel like the only time they're observing or evaluating or giving feedback is when they have a laptop in front of them or a post-it note in front of them. They've got to write things down, right? You have to retrain your mind just like you do say at home, right? Many of us, we don't just stand at the island and talk. We're using a sponge. We're chopping up a cucumber. We are packing a child's lunch. We are um, using the broom. We're doing a lot of things at once and we're still able to cognitively absorb information. So rather than make observation and feedback, this standalone thing where you go in and you say, okay, I am a good principal because from nine to 1030 today, I have allocated time for observations. You don't have to do it that way. Again, let's go back. It's never, you're never not doing it. It has to be kind of, think of it as a sweater, all intertwined into the larger part of your day, into the sweater. And you pull a string and you say, oh, there's an evaluation. Oh, there's an opportunity for feedback. Oh, there's something that I saw that I'm going to remember to say to that teacher later. So it's all very intricately um, intertwined. Well, so, so I'm going to ask you to, um, while we stay on the same point, to I'm going to speak to two things. One is I'm going to ask you to give a quick tip on like what that strategy looked like for Jen. Cause, um, because I know there's a practice that you've had that has made that a place where you can just store that information and find it quickly. And then um, two, I'm just going to say this cause I mentioned it earlier. I'm just, because I'm looking at our show notes in the calendar, I realize that one of our sponsors for this week's show has a digital tool that helps with this too. And so that's something I'll point you to off outside this interview when you get to hear about that sponsors. But Jen, what's a quick tip that you've used that can that's helped you hold on to that that meaningful information as you walk through your school day? I I'll tell you what works for me. And that is I I think of my mind as a um rather than a filing cabinet, I think of it as a picture album. So, um, if I see something, I take a, a mental snapshot of it and it's just in there. So, um, as an example, there's a teacher, I see the teacher, um, stopping, uh, I'm just grabbing an example, walking to the cafeteria to get their lunch and stopping and asking a student, Hey, how did your assignment go? Or, or how was that softball game last night or whatever? And I take a snapshot of that. And then later, even if it's months later, I can say, you know, I noticed that you just check in with kids. And, and that's what we need in this, in this building. We need kids to know that their teachers care about them. So that snapshot can be pulled up anytime. And I'm, I'm quite sure there's people whose minds don't work like mine. I'm quite sure there's people who need to have the words written down. And if so, I would say, great, um, use your phone, do voice text, give yourself a reminder, carry the post-it note, whatever it is that, that you need to make sure that that moment becomes part of your cognitive matter and that you can pull it up whenever you need to. Um, we as humans do respond to stories. And so you create in your mind a series of stories that you can then tell back to people in, in giving them positive feedback. And the same applies, by the way, for people who are struggling, for your negative teachers, for the teachers that bring toxicity to your school. 
you, you don't want to, every time you see them, you don't want to say, Hey, I, I really saw you being a jerk to a kid today, right? That's not what we would do. But what you could do is say, I've, I see a lot of opportunities for you times where I feel like you're struggling or you're expressing, um, anger unfairly at a student. Um, here's some opportunities that I've seen around the school where you could start to build that trust back up with students or with your colleagues or whatever. So those same mental pictures you take to give positive feedback are also taken to give, um, challenging feedback or to have difficult conversations. Well, and I know that every state does things a little differently. So some places have, you know, prescribed software that you use or prescribed instruments that you use. And so I don't want to try to um, give a prescription here, but I will add a thought, Jen, to yours um, that might be practical. Um, in Oklahoma, we used a system where you could go into um, the, the evaluation software that we used. You could go in and add additional notes of things you were seeing outside of observations. So in every teacher... So I could pull up my account, find the teacher and add additional notes, but I could also invite them to send me artifacts or things that they were doing that maybe I wasn't observing, but they were happy to brag about that were going right. on too. So, so sometimes you can not only start keeping little notes and logs on teachers of things you're seeing them do that can be added to that meaningful feedback, that, that um, feedback that's cumulative, but you can also ask them. To make right. sure to be sharing. So just like that volleyball coach who sent, sends the notes on, this is how we did last night. Mm, I'm capturing that. Right. Exactly. Here, here's an example of something else that I'm seeing this teacher do to celebrate his kids or her kids and, and making sure that we're aware of those things that are happening too. Right. Okay, Jen. So, so, okay. I want to ask one follow-up question as we're wrapping up this episode, because I, I get to choose one from your rubric and that's going to be forgiving, not punitive. Why did, why did you include that? I th and I thought that was so insightful. Well, I spend a lot of time thinking about what it is to be human. <laughs> and what that means is we make mistakes, right? We, we, um, misstep, we do something with, um, good intentions that just turns out to be a hot mess express. Right. And so to give teachers the, um, space to, and grace to, have missteps and not be scared about them is it is a gift. And so we as principals need to acknowledge, you know, we all can improve. There's always room to grow. And having an area of weakness does not mean that someone's a bad teacher. To, to be a teacher is not a, a good or a bad. And I think it's a mistake to think of it as such. Mm -hmm. I think it's all a spectrum. I think it's all a um, process. And I hear principals do that. And I cringe a little when I hear, oh, she's, she's one of my good teachers. Oh, she's one of my worst teachers. When we say that, even in our own minds, if we classify as good and bad, we are putting the lid on the opportunity to change and grow. I think it's a much more healthy mindset to say, you know what, I'm going to forgive the um, flaws and I'm going to see them as an opportunity to, to, um, grow. And, you know, if you think about a runner, a runner could run a, an amazing race and still want to chop a second off the next time they run the race. Right. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. We think that's normal. So when a teacher teaches a lesson and there's some missteps, if as a principal, we say to them, okay, let's talk about what you need to do better next time. Ugh, that feels gross. We need to be more, more along the mindset of 
hey, where are we going to shave the second off? Where can we next time refine a little bit? And that is a stark contrast to punitive. I've worked with principals before and they're never very well liked by their staff, by the way, where they're seeking to punish or to catch a teacher, to discipline a teacher, to sit them down and say, okay, I've noticed for the last six months, here's all the things you're doing wrong. That is not the place. An observation or, or a feedback conversation is not the place to discipline a teacher. There should, I always say there should be no surprises in an evaluation conversa mm -hmm. conversation or an observation. Everything that you say, the teacher should already know that you know. And that um, not only builds the trust we talked about earlier, it not only makes it positive and thorough, but it keeps that any teacher from walking into your office with a sick stomach thinking, oh, I'm going to get in trouble for something. It's, it takes time to build this sort of trust, but I always told my teachers, I want you to look forward to our conversation. I want this to be something where you think, oh, good. I'm going to hear some things I'm really good at. I'm going to hear some things that, um, together we might agree I need to improve on and everybody walks away happy. And, and I always say, if there's any stomach ache going on related to an observation, then something's going wrong. Jen, thank you so much. Um, and principal matters listeners, if you want to see your very own copy of the feedback quick reference guide for leaders, you can go to the ASCD website and do a search, or, you know, I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, I also noticed it's on Amazon too. So the, the ASCD's placed this reference guide out in, in more than one place where you could have this at your own fingertips. And Jen, what I love about it is it's one page. It's just so it's, simple. Yeah. So simple to put in front of you, but, but let's bring this full circle principal mentors listeners. As you think about your future self, as you're thinking about that principal that you are wanting to be, as you step into your new school year or whenever you're listening to this, I know that you want to be the kind of person that you would want on the other side of you when you're being given feedback. And so Janet, the the other thing I love about this too is that it's so relationship built. It's not just um, the science, as I said earlier. It's also the art, which is all about making sure that you're building people up, building strong relationships, so that the feedback is actually meaningful. Right. People, exactly. People, yeah. People like to learn from people that they respect and like. Right. I think. And and just to be clear for the um, listeners, this is actually a six pager. It's a um, it's got different flaps. And so I think, well, what, what we oh, were I'm looking sorry. at and no, it's okay. I just want the reader or listeners to know what they're getting into here. We stayed on the first page, gotcha. but there's a lot of other information there too, just so that nobody says, wait a minute, they sold me a bill of goods. <laughs> <laughs> Great feedback. Well, Jen, as always, thank you so much for your expertise and for just walking us through some expectations that we can all be thinking about in terms of the feedback we give others. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up? I don't think so. I just hope everyone's having a lovely summer and, and resting a little bit, relaxing and, and trying to restore for the new year. Thanks, Jen. And Principal Matters listeners, thank you for doing what matters. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com. Check out the services link on williamdparker.com to learn more about Leadership Academies, Mastermind offerings, and executive coaching. If you're planning professional development for the year ahead, or you're looking for keynote presentations from any of my books, please email me at will at williamdparker.com. Thank you for learning together today, and thanks again for doing what matters.